Good evening and welcome to yet another episode of the FIFA World Cup show. Wherever you are tuning in to this episode from, whether you are in the USA, on the African continent, Americas, Asia, Europe, and Oceania, welcome to the most exciting, informative, and educative sports show on the calling platform. With yours truly, Philip Alimo, I have love for sports. And thank you to my dearest and cherished listener. You've been very loyal. You've always tuned in on time and on point from the first episode until now. And thank you, Araba. I'm grateful. Tonight's program is themed FIFA Classic player series where we'll be previewing and interviewing and as well as looking at the profile of players who have impacted the World Cup. We are talking about Pelé, a true icon of world football who captured the hearts of fans across the globe with his brilliant skills and scintillating goals. We'll also be looking at Diego Maradona. I remembered on one of our series, we pay glorious tribute to him on its one year of passing. On this series, he's also one of the outstanding classic players we'll also be looking at. Yet another player we'll also be looking at is Johan Cruyff, the Dutch maestro and legend. We'll also be looking at another Legend, a trailing Portuguese forward known as the Black Panther. Who is this? It's no other person than Eusebio. Eusebio. We'll also be looking at him and also be looking at Roger Miller, the last on the bill for tonight, who is the oldest player to have scored the history of the FIFA World Cup. Tonight, 
wherever you are tuning in from, whether it's morning, it's afternoon, it's evening, welcome to the show. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. So we'll start with the first of our FIFA Classic Player Series. Edison Arantes do Nascimento, born 23rd October 1940, but widely and popularly known as Pelé, is a Brazilian former professional footballer who played as a forward, regarded as one of the greatest players of all time, and labeled the greatest by FIFA. He was among the most successful and most popular sports figures in of the 20th century. In 1999, he was named Athlete of the Century by the International Olympic Committee and was included in the Times list of 100 most important people of the 20th century. In 2000, Pelé was voted World Player of the Century by the International Federation of Football History and Statistics, the IFFHS, and was one of the two joint winners of the FIFA Player of the Century. His 1,279 goals in 1,363 games, which included friendlies, is, rec- is recognized as the Guinness World Record. Pelé began playing for Santos at the age of 15 and the Brazilian national team at 16. During his international career, he won three FIFA World Cups, the 1958, 1962, and 1970, the only player to do so. Pelé is the all-time leading goal scorer for Brazil with 77 goals in, 97, in 92 games. At club level, he is Santos' all-time goal scorer with 643 goals from 659 games. In a golden era for Santos, he led the club to the 1962 and 1963 Copa Libertadores and to the 1962 and 1963 Intercontinental Cup, credited with connecting the phrase, the beautiful game with football. You see why today our program is themed the FIFA Classic Player Series. He coined the term the beautiful game. This is your most educative, informative sports show on the calling platform. Pele's electrifying play and pungent for spectacular goals made him a star around the world. And his teams toured internationally in order to take advantage of his popularity. During his playing days, Pelé was for a period the best athlete in the world. Since retiring in 1977, Pelé has been a worldwide ambassador for football and has made many acting and commercial ventures. In 2010, he was named the honorary president of the New York Cosmos. Averaging almost a goal per game throughout his career, Pelé was at his best striking force with either his foot in addition to anticipating his opponent's movements on the field. Whilst he played predominantly as a striker, 
it could also drop deep and take on playmaking, playmaking roles, providing assists with his vision and passing ability, and would use his dribbling skills to go past opponents. In Brazil, he's hailed, he's hailed as a national hero for his accomplishments in football and for his outspoken support of policies that improve the social conditions of the poor. His emergence at the 1958 World Cup, where he became the first black global sporting star, was a source of inspiration. Throughout his career and his retirement, Pelé received several individual and team awards for his performance in the field, his record-breaking achievements and legacy. Ladies and gentlemen, on tonight's show, we'll be zooming in on Pelé's participation at the 1958, 1962, and 1970 edition of the FIFA World Cup. Let's go to our item for the day. Pelé, real name Edson Arantes do Nascimento, is widely regarded as one of the greatest ever exponents of the sport he helped become known as the beautiful game. He holds the prestigious record of being a FIFA World Cup winner on no less than three occasions, scoring 12 goals in 14 games at the finals. Born in the poor district of Tres Corosaos, Minas Gerais, Brazil, on the 23rd of October in 1940, he remains the most famous footballer in history, and it is his achievements in the FIFA World Cup that have chiefly garnered that accolade. His entrance onto the world stage occurred during the 1958 finals in Sweden. At the tender age of just 17, he was the star of the tournament, scoring six goals, including three in the semi-final and two in the final. The teenager emerged from nowhere to light up the tournament with his dazzling skills. In the quarterfinals, Pelé scored a fine solo goal to give Brazil a 1-0 victory against Wales. The semi-final against France was billed as a contest between the young prodigy, Pelé, and France's free-scoring Juste Fontaine. The script was written for Pelé, and he grabbed the headlines with an opportunistic second-half hat-trick. Pelé's goals in a comprehensive 5-2 win guided Brazil to the final, where they faced the host's sweep. Stockholm was the venue, and the stage was set for Pelé to prove his status as the young prodigy. In the second half, and with Brazil winning 2-1, Pelé scored a wonder goal. He produced a magical piece of skill before providing the finishing touch, without doubt a defining moment in FIFA World Cup history. In the final minute of the match, Pelé scored his second goal with a looping header. Brazil won 5-2, and with it came their first FIFA World Cup triumph. Held aloft on the shoulders of his teammates, Pelé was parading as a hero. He handled the pressure of representing his country with the maturity of a veteran, and he would go on for more success. 
At the 1962 finals in Chile, an injured hamstring in Brazil's second match prevented Pelé playing an integral part in his country's campaign. Despite his obvious disappointment at not making the final in Santiago, Pelé cheered on his beloved Brazil from the stands. They didn't let him down, and despite going a goal behind, they went on to beat Czechoslovakia 3-1. Pelé was rewarded for his early contributions in the tournament with his second successive FIFA World Cup winner's medal. At the 1966 tournament in England, Pelé was the victim of some severe and unsavoury tackling from opposing players. He was heavily fouled in Brazil's third group match against Portugal and was eventually forced to leave the pitch. With Pelé battered and bruised, Portugal won the match 3-1 and Brazil went out of the tournament. In successive finals, the world was once again robbed of the great man's talents. Following his treatment in 1966, Pelé vowed never to play in the FIFA World Cup again. Thankfully, he had a change of heart and at the 1970 finals in Mexico enjoyed his finest hour. Pelé scored four goals and supplied many assists for his teammates. Despite his goals, the strongest memories of Pelé in 1970 were probably his near misses. A shot from the halfway line against Czechoslovakia that just missed the post, and his dummy around the Uruguayan goalkeeper remain two of the FIFA World Cup's most seminal moments. Brazil entertained on their way to the final, where they faced European giants Italy. Pelé led from the front and in the 18th minute scored Brazil's 100th FIFA World Cup goal with a trademark header. Jumping on the shoulders of Jorginho, Pelé raised his arms in pure delight. The last goal of this deciding game, which was Pelé's last FIFA World Cup match, was memorable. Pelé was involved in two of the nine passes that preceded Carlos Alberto's goal. In fact, it was he who nonchalantly played the simple square pass, the same one which had killed off Uruguay and England for Carlos Alberto to score. Brazil had delighted the fans with their free-flowing football en route to a 4-1 victory. Brazil won the right to keep the Jules Rimet trophy after winning it for the third time, and Pelé's FIFA World Cup career ended on a high. In the cauldron of the biggest football show on earth, the FIFA World Cup, the great are separated from the good. On the 11th of December 2000, Pelé was named Player of the Century by FIFA's Grand Jury for his contribution to the game, and he remains a living legend. Indeed, Pelé is a living legend and a true icon of the beautiful game. Pelé not only captured the hearts and minds of fans across the world, but also dazzled the world with his first FIFA World Cup as a 17-year-old to lifting the trophy in Mexico in 1970. His skill and quality were plain for the world to see.
he ended his career with three FIFA World Cup medals. And he is indeed, without a shadow of doubt, one of the best. One of the best. The next player we'll be looking at is Diego Armando Maradona. One of the FIFA World Cup's most famous and exciting icons. Argentina's favorite son dominated Mexico 1986 and Italy 1990. On this show, we celebrated Diego Maradona's memory and legacy in one of our past episodes. And it's there for my dearest and cherished listeners to go back to and listen. But tonight, on our FIFA Classic Player Series, is the second player we are looking at. So without much ado, we'll go straight to our playback and know more about Diego Armando Maradona. Often compared to Pelé, Diego Armando Maradona is Argentina's most celebrated footballer and a great player in his own right. He was a truly outstanding talent and the ability he possessed was beyond compare. Born on the 30th of October 1960 in Villa Fiorito, Argentina, Maradona's glittering FIFA World Cup career spanned 12 years and included eight goals in 21 games. He was supremely gifted and often mesmerized opponents with his quick feet and stunning turn of pace. The 1982 finals in Spain, where he made his FIFA World Cup debut, did not see enough of these qualities. Argentina lost their opening group match to Belgium before beating Hungary and El Salvador. Maradona scored twice against the Hungarians, but was unable to repeat the feat against Italy and Brazil in the second round. In the latter, frustration got the better of him, and he was sent off for violent play. At the age of 21, Maradona's tournament ended in disappointing fashion as the holders crashed out. At the 1986 finals in Mexico, Maradona was at the peak of his game. It was here that he put the disappointment of 1982 behind him by almost single-handedly winning the FIFA World Cup for Argentina. By now, the 25-year-old Maradona was captain of his country and desperate to succeed. He led Argentina to the top of their first-round group, scoring the equalising goal against Italy. Incredibly, the quarter-final match against England provided Maradona with the most controversial and colourful moments of his career. He gave Argentina the lead in the 51st minute by scoring with what he famously called the hand of God. Minutes later, Maradona scored what is widely regarded as the greatest FIFA World Cup goal ever. He glided past several English players before rounding goalkeeper Peter Shilton and scoring. <laughs> 
It was quite simply the product of pure genius. Argentina won the match 2-1, and in the last four, Maradona was instrumental in guiding Carlos Bilardo's side to the final. He destroyed a strong Belgian defence with another one-man show. Early in the second half, Maradona glided into the penalty area before gently flicking the ball over Jean-Marie Pfaff into the back of the net. In the 63rd minute, Maradona secured a 2-0 victory for Argentina with an amazing solo effort. Running at the heart of Belgium's defence, he went past three opponents as if they were not there before hooking the ball past the keeper. In the final against West Germany, Argentina surrendered a 2-0 lead, but Maradona was not to be denied. With minutes remaining and the game level at 2-2, he threaded a delightful ball through to Burachaga, who raced clear of the German defence and scored. Maradona had a relatively quiet match, but fittingly created the winning goal. He had fulfilled a lifetime ambition. Four years on, at the age of 29, he assumed a different role for Argentina's title defence. The tournament took place in Italy, where Maradona was nearing the end of a successful seven-year spell with Napoli. Though his physical powers had diminished due to a serious ankle injury, the skipper's will to win remained as strong as ever. Maradona was a shining light and captained Argentina to their second successive FIFA World Cup final. In the decider, West Germany denied Maradona the time and space to create opportunities, and in doing so, nullified his threat. West Germany won the match, and Maradona was left to reflect on an agonising defeat. The last chapter in Maradona's FIFA World Cup career was also the darkest. Despite scoring a wonderful goal against Greece during a comprehensive 4-0 win, Maradona's 1994 FIFA World Cup ended on a sour note when he was sent home from the USA after testing positive for the banned substance, ephedrine. Regardless, Diego Maradona is one of the greatest players to have graced the FIFA World Cup. Albeit controversial, his finals career included a number of spectacular moments, and he remains one of the finest and most enigmatic players to have graced the world stage. Indeed, Diego Armando Maradona is one of the finest to have graced the world stage. A year from now, the world's best 32 teams will be locking arms in Qatar, in the Arabian Peninsula. And this show, the FIFA World Cup show, is a build-up to the 22nd edition of the World Cup that will be held in Qatar. And we are celebrating and looking at past players who have glittered and glamoured on the big stage 
of the beautiful game. The next player we'll be looking at is Johan Cruyff. We salute the late great Dutch maestro. Who is Johan Cruyff? Johan Cruyff. Johan Cruyff was a Dutch professional footballer born on the 25th of April, 1947, and a manager. As a player, he won the Ballon d'Or three times in 1971, 1973, and 1974. Johan Cruyff was a proponent of the football philosophy known as total football explored by Rhinos Michel and is widely regarded as one of the greatest players in the history of the sports and one of the best managers ever. In the late 1960s and early 1970s, the Dutch football rose from a semi-professional and obscure level to become a powerhouse in the sport. Cruyff led the Netherlands to the final of the 1974 FIFA World Cup and received the golden ball as player of the tournament. At the 1974 finals, he executed a feint that subsequently was named after him the Cruyff 10, a move widely replicate, replicated in the modern game. After finishing third in the UEFA Euro 1976, Cruyff refused to play in the 1978 World Cup after a kidnapping attempt targeting him and his family in their Barcelona home dissuaded him from football. At club level, Johan Cruyff started his career at Ajax where he won eight Dutch Eredivisie titles, three European Cups, and one Intercontinental Cup. In 1973, he moved to Barcelona for a world record transfer fee, helping the team win La Liga in his first season and was named European Footballer of the Year. After retiring from football in 1984, Johan Cruyff became a highly successful manager of Ajax and later Barcelona. He remained an influential advisor to both clubs after his coaching tenure. His sons, Jordi, also played professional football. Johan Cruyff wore the number 14 jersey since 1970, except at Barcelona and Feyenoord, where he was assigned the number 9 and 10 jerseys, respectively. Johan Cruyff set a trend by players, if allowed, to choose a jersey number outside the usual starting lineup to up to 11. In football, there are specific numbers that you are allowed to choose in the past. You are allowed to choose numbers between 1 to 11. But Johan Cruyff is the first player to have been allowed to choose a jersey number out of this first set. That shows you his level and pedigree in the game. In 1999, Johan Cruyff was voted European Player of the Century in an election held by the International Federation of Football, History, and Statistics, and came second behind Pele 
in their world player of the century poll. He came third in a, in a vote organized by the French magazine French Football, consulting their former Ballon d'Or winners to elect football player of the century. He was included in the world team of the 20th century in 1998, the FIFA World Cup Dream Team in 2002 and in 2004, was named in the FIFA 100 list of world's greatest living players. Considered to be one of the most influential figures in football history, Johan Cruyff's style of play and football philosophy has influenced managers and players alike. Ajax and Barcelona are among the clubs that have developed youth academies based on Johan Cruyff's coaching methods. His coaching philosophy helped lay the foundation for the revival of Ajax's international successes in the 90s and Spanish football successes at both club and international levels during the years 2008 to 2012. Joanne Cruyff's evidence on the, contemporary, on the contemporary game of football is evident in his works at Ajax and Barcelona. Tonight, on the FIFA World Cup show, we look at Joanne Cruyff's work and we hear from the horse's own mouth on how he influenced the beautiful game of football. Born in Amsterdam on the 25th of April 1947, Johan Cruyff is the Netherlands' most celebrated footballer and undoubtedly one of the finest attacking players of his generation. He was an artist who treated the pitch as his canvas and the football as his paintbrush, gliding strokes in every area of the field. The great Ajax and Dutch teams of the 1970s, managed by the late Renus Michels, orchestrated the movement of total football, and Cruyff was their conductor. The 1974 FIFA World Cup Finals were dominated by Cruyff, yet despite leading the Netherlands to the final, he remains one of the greatest players never to win the FIFA World Cup. The Netherlands kicked off the 1974 tournament with a comfortable 2-0 victory against Uruguay. Striker Johnny Rep was the hero, scoring both goals. In their next match, they played out a goalless draw against Sweden in Dortmund. It was here that Cruyff provided us with a truly unforgettable FIFA World Cup moment. Known ever since as the Cruyff turn, it remains a much-televised piece of genius and an undying image of the tournament. Thousands have performed it since, but no one can deny that Cruyff introduced the move to the world. Against Bulgaria, the Dutch stepped up a gear, securing an emphatic 4-1 win. Cruyff was the driving force in the Netherlands' effort, winning a penalty after five minutes when he was crudely fouled in the area. Theo de Jong completed the scoring with two minutes remaining, heading in Cruyff's wonderful cross. The Netherlands finished top of their group ahead of Sweden and progressed to the second round. They had developed the ability to score at will, and this continued against Argentina in the next round. 
those in attendance at the Parkstadion in Gelsenkirchen were treated to another man-of-the-match performance from Cruyff. He opened the scoring in the 11th minute with a composed finish after latching onto Johnny Rett's fine pass. In the second half, the heavens opened. With 17 minutes remaining, Cruyff created yet another goal when his cross from the left was headed home by Rett. Cruyff scored his second of the match from a tight angle in the final minute to give the Netherlands a comprehensive 4-0 win. The Dutch only needed to draw in their final Group A match against Brazil to assure a place in the final. Cruyff was the dominant personality in this highly charged encounter, which was certainly no beautiful game. In what turned out to be a very physical match, intimidation from the Brazilian players included attempts to provoke Cruyff. To his credit, he was not phased, and duly provided a perfectly weighted cross for Johan Naiskins to open the score. In the 65th minute, Cruyff volleyed home unchallenged from close range, applying the killer blow in a famous 2-0 win. The Netherlands had won many fans with their free-flowing football and moved comfortably onto the final in Munich. Only the hosts, West Germany, now stood between Cruyff and Glory. Like the Dutch, they had some very talented players, including Captain Franz Beckenbauer. The question on everyone's lips was, which of these two greats would lead their respective country to glory? Cruyff laid early claim to the prize, following the most amazing start to any FIFA World Cup final. In the first minute, after a mesmerising sequence of passes, he collected the ball in the centre circle and ran at Bertie Volks, beating him on the left before being brought down in the penalty area by Yuli Honus. When Naiskin scored the resultant penalty, it looked like the Netherlands' name was on the cup. However, Paul Breitner equalised, and Gerd Muller broke Dutch hearts minutes before half-time, when he turned neatly in the box and applied, as he so often did, a deadly finish. West Germany won 2-1, and Cruyff's dream was over. On the one day the football world wanted to see him blossom, and despite that remarkable start, he simply could not escape folks' attentions. Beckenbauer lifted the trophy for West Germany, and later paid tribute to Cruyff, saying, He was the better player, but I won the world. The 1974 FIFA World Cup final brought a premature end to Cruyff's international career. Following disagreements with the Dutch FA, KMVB, he pulled out of the 1978 finals in Argentina, which the Netherlands yet again lost to the hosts in the final. Johan Cruyff stands alongside the likes of Pelé and Maradona as a true footballing great. Blessed with remarkable ability, he was the linchpin of the Netherlands' masterful 1974 FIFA World Cup team. Cruyff's contribution to the game on the world stage will be forever etched in the memory of football fans the world over. Yes, most definitely. He was the leech pin for the Netherlands team at the FIFA World Cup. One of the greatest players 
to have graced a beautiful game, yet unfortunately couldn't win the World Cup. The next player we'll be looking at is a trillion Portuguese forward known as the Black Panther. Who is he? Let's get to know more about the Black Panther of the beautiful game. Eusebio de Silva Ferreira was born on the 25th of January 1942 and passed away 5th January 2014. He was a Mozambican born Portuguese footballer who played as a striker. He is considered one of the greatest footballers of all time and Benfica's greatest ever player. During his professional career, he scored 733 goals in 745 games, 41 goals in in 64 games for Portugal. I take that again. During his professional career, he scored 733 goals in 745 games, 41 goals in 64 games for Portugal, and was nicknamed the Black Panther or the Black Pearl or Oreo, meaning the king in Portugal. He was famous for his speed, technique, athleticism, and ferocious right-footed shot, making him a prolific goal scorer. Eusebio helped Portugal reach the third place at the 1966 World Cup, being the top scorer of the tournament with nine goals, including four in one match against North Korea, and received the Bronze Ball Award. He won the Ballon d'Or Award for European Football of the Year in 1965 and was runner-up in 1962 and 1966. He played for Benfica for 15 out of his 22 years as a footballer, has been mainly associated with the Portuguese club and is the team's all-time top scorer with 473 goals in 440 competitive games. There, he won 11 Primera Liga titles in Portugal and five Taka de Portugal titles. That is Portugal's version of the FA Cup and a European Cup in 1961 and 1962, and helped them reach three additional European Cup finals, namely in 1963, 1965, and 1968. He is the eighth highest goal scorer in the history of the European Cup, and the second highest behind Alfredo Di Stefano in the pre-Champions League era with 48 goals. He was a European Cup top scorer in the 1964, 1965, 1965, 1966, 1967, 1968, Champions League season, then known as a European Cup. He's, he has also won the Bola di Prata, the Primera Liga top scorer award, a record in 1968, a feat he, replic- he replicated in 1973. 
Eusebio's name often appears in the best player of all time list and posed by football critics and fans. He was elected the ninth best footballer of the 20th century in a poll by the IFFHS and the 10th best footballer of the 20th century in a poll by the World Soccer Magazine. Pelé named Eusebio as one of 125 best living footballers in his 2004 FIFA 100 list. He was seventh in the online pool for UEFA Golden Jubilee Pool. In November 2003, to celebrate UEFA's Jubilee, he was selected as a Golden Player of Portugal by the Portuguese Football Federation as their most outstanding player of the past 50 years. He has been called Africa's first great footballer and Africa's greatest ever player. From his retirement until his demise, Eusebio was an ambassador of football and was one of the most recognizable faces of his generation. Homages by FIFA, UEFA, the Portuguese Football Federation, and Benfica have, have been held in his honor. Former Benfica and Portuguese teammate and friend, Antonio Simon acknowledges his influence on Benfica and said, I quote, with Eusebio, maybe we could be European champions. Without him, maybe we could win the league. End of quote. Shortly after Eusebio's death, Alfredo Di Stefano stated, for me, Eusebio will always be the best player of all time. Let's take our feet and know more about the Black Panther and the king of Portuguese football. Eusebio da Silva Ferreira, also known as the Black Panther, wrote his name in FIFA World Cup history by scoring nine goals at the 1966 finals in England. Born in Lorenzo Marquez, Mozambique on the 25th of January in 1942, he possessed explosive pace and deceptive ability. An enduring icon, Eusebio turned out to be the star of the tournament in 1966. His impact on English soil was quite simply remarkable. In the first round, Portugal beat Hungary, Bulgaria and, most impressively, defending champions Brazil. The match at Goodison Park in Liverpool was billed as a contest between the great Pelé and Eusebio. In truth, the battle between the two was horribly unequal. Pelé suffered from a severe knee injury and was eventually carried off, taking any hope Brazil had of winning with him. Eusebio created the opening goal of the match when he beat his man on the left and put over a near-post cross. Manga, in the Brazilian goal, could only punch the ball to Antonio Simoes, who headed in from close range. Portugal were dominant throughout, and in the 27th minute, Eusebio extended their lead with a powerful header. Brazil needed victory to progress to the quarter-finals and pulled a goal back midway through the second half, Rildo's low drive restoring some pride and giving the South Americans hope. 
but that hope was extinguished in the 85th minute. Eusebio's stunning half volley, a defining moment that was celebrated in style. The goal was an abiding memory of the tournament and helped Portugal to a 3-1 win. Brazil were eliminated and Eusebio moved on to the quarterfinals. In the last eight, Portugal faced the surprise team of the tournament, Korea DPR. The Koreans had already provided an upset by beating and eliminating Italy. Within a minute, they created a sensation. Pak Sung Yin's shot from the edge of the area flew into the top corner of the net. In the 22nd minute, Lee Dong Woon slid in to make it 2 0. Minutes later, the Koreans claimed another goal, Yang Song-kuk scoring to give the underdogs an incredible 3-0 lead. It would take something very special to save Portugal, but Eusebio was set to provide the miracle they needed. He made it 3-1 with an unstoppable shot from Jose Augusto's through ball, and by half-time Portugal had pulled another goal back this time courtesy of a penalty by their goal machine, Eusebio. In the space of three second-half minutes, Eusebio scored twice, completing one of the most famous comebacks in FIFA World Cup history. His hat-trick goal was scored without breaking stride, and then, after yet another energetic run, Eusebio was brought down in the penalty area. Four goals would be scored by the Mozambique-born attacker, and he even helped set up their fifth, sending over the corner that Augusto finally headed in. Portugal won an incredible match 5-3, with Eusebio the undoubted hero of their victory. His one-man crusade had salvaged Portugal's FIFA World Cup dream. Wembley provided the stunning venue as Portugal faced the hosts England in the semi-finals. The English had done their homework and their combative midfielder, Nobby Styles, was assigned the task of man-marking Eusebio. His role, and one role alone, was to stop Portugal's danger man. With their main threat subdued, Bobby Charlton took full advantage, scoring once in each half to put England 2-0 ahead. With eight minutes of the match remaining, Bobby's brother Jack handled in the area, and Portugal were awarded a penalty. Eusebio sent goalkeeper Gordon Banks the wrong way, but it was too little, too late. Portugal lost 2-1, and England went on to win the trophy, following a thrilling victory against West Germany in the final. A tearful Eusebio would recover for the third-place playoff, where another penalty would give him his ninth goal of the finals and with it the golden boot.
Eusebio was the first world-class striker to emerge from the African continent. He remains almost unchallenged as the greatest Portuguese player ever, and his exploits in the FIFA World Cup have earned him legendary status. Indeed, Eusebio is a great legend of the beautiful game. Tonight, it's been great. It's been equally exciting coming your way with today's episode of the FIFA World Cup show, themed the FIFA Classic Player Series. Tomorrow, we'll continue with our FIFA Player Series, where we'll continue and I'll tell you who the oldest player is in the history of the World Cup. So don't forget to tune in to our episode tomorrow. It's been fun. It's been great coming your way as always. Until same time tomorrow, it's ciao for now. Bye.